0: Thanks, man. No problem. Sorry for all the trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, I should have given you an email, I guess, to start, but. Sorry. So how is everything over there? Um, everything's, I mean, it's fine. I don't know. Like, I don't really go out too much. I went out and had dim sum with some friends earlier today and that was fine. Um, so, you know, it's, they're cracking down, they're closing gyms. Um, I think you can have like public gatherings, pro sports seems to be stalled and, uh, you know, they're just being cautious, I guess. Okay. How about you guys?
0: Actually, we just like, most of us, most of our people just finished their second dose of like vaccination. Okay. And we're like, reopened like
1: four months. Yeah, but I
0: think everything's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'm supposed to, I'll probably get a booster next month, my third okay. one. So and we're just waiting on that. So, but I mean, it, it seems okay. I think everybody who's getting the new variant is, um, it's less severe, but who knows? Yeah just like it's going to be like a cold symptoms mostly. <laughs> okay. So first of all,
0: I like, can you introduce yourself for the coaches in Taiwan. I know you know Cody well, but other coaches.
1: You mean he's not a typical Taiwanese coach? Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, my name's Derek and I work in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I basically you know, the last two years has been mostly virtual work, but I've been working with professional teams in North America and, and even in Europe, probably for the last 10 years, and mostly NFL NBA starting in with NHL now. And uh, hopefully I have some interest from baseball um, and uh, uh, just different sports altogether. Like I've, always, I've worked with a lot of different Olympic sports. So, uh, probably about 30 years of coaching experience and probably about 10 to 15 working in professional sport.
0: That was cool. That was cool. So I saw a lot of posts about running mechanics on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. So why is running mechanics so important?
1: Um, at least for my purposes, that's something that I was always good at when I was an athlete and I was relatively fast and I ran track and trained in it for, since I was probably about, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And, and, um, I've always, that's something I've always worked on. And I always found that it made a difference to my other sports. So when I started coaching, you know, that's something that I I felt like I wanted to focus on and be really good at. And I also found that you know there were a lot of athletes that were lacking the ability to run fast and run efficiently and they were never taught properly and even even in professional sports you'll find that there's a lot of athletes who weren't taught how to run they were just good at whatever the sport was so just through my years of experience in coaching um i found that you know i can add value in that area i can add expertise and i've even I've even worked um, a lot in rehabilitation to teach people how to run after they've been injured because part of the reason they were injured was they're very inefficient with their movement mechanics and it adds up over practice and seasons and, you know, all the miles and kilometers that they run. Um, It's going to add up. If you have some inefficiencies, there's going to be some breakdowns. So that's what I teach now as part of my courses Um, which is called Running Mechanics Professional. And, you know, I teach everybody from coaches to fitness trainers to physical therapists how to teach people how to move properly uh, when it comes to locomotion and running.
0: So in running, there's like acceleration and max velocity. Let's say, what is the most important thing you're going to teach in acceleration? Acceleration.
1: I would say acceleration, the most important thing is going to be posture and how you orient your body. Um, Because if you, if you are running too tall, it's just hard to get that horizontal propulsion. So you want to teach people how to come out at an angle and then how to produce enough force vertically and horizontally to accelerate quickly and efficiently. And in most sports, acceleration is probably more dominant than max velocity just because in basketball the court's not big enough or there's people in the way, um, but this ability to repeat, repeat acceleration at a high quality, um, is very useful in most sports. So yeah, we're we're focusing on you know head posture, where they look, how the arms move um, for good acceleration, and just getting in a lot of repetition is going to make it automatic so that when then they have to go after a ball or go after, a, uh, an op- opposing player, then it just falls into place. Literally, it just falls into place. and You know how to accelerate. Um, and if you don't know how to accelerate properly, it's you, again, you're not going to be as fast and you're going to probably going to get injured more too. So just teaching people basics of like setting up their posture is, is something that I spend a lot of time on, especially with team sport athletes.
0: Okay. So there's a difference between like team sport athlete and track athletes, track athlete. They're like probably spend more time with this posture, right? For this angle, they're going to be, be able to like accelerate more. But with team sport athletes, probably like after the first few steps, they're going to be upright more, right?
1: Yeah. And there's, I mean, in team sports, there's a lot of walking and jogging and, you know, it's not full intensity all the time. So, um, they're going to be used to walking, jogging, and then they have to accelerate quickly. And so they have to be used to be able to transition between those positions because this is more economical, but this is better for moving fast. Right. And just them understanding when to be in those positions and how to orient themselves, it takes some practice. It's, it's not, for some athletes it's natural, but you know most athletes have to be taught how to get into the right position and so I think that that's where I spend a lot of my time is just teaching those start positions and you know how to transition in and out
0: that's like the the med ball thing you you throw it on Instagram right
1: yeah that's just for producing power and reinforcing those positions right if you can Basically, if you can throw that ball, like do a push throw and you, and it goes far, it tells you that it's a very good trajectory, um, for your acceleration. Um, because if, if you're, you know, if you push it too vertical, you won't go anywhere forward. you won't go forward. If you're too low, you'll fall into the ground. So that's a very good drill. The med ball push explosive throw is very good for setting up what I would say optimal acceleration posture.
0: Yeah. But what if I want to let my athletes stay in the like lower position longer? How would you train this? How, how would you train like athlete to let them stay with this kind of this angle longer?
1: Yeah. A good way to do it, honestly, is probably to use some sort of resistance right? So if you use a sled pole, you have them accelerate uphill, it allows them to hold that position longer and they get more comfortable. They also get better at producing, you know, force. So the more, if you keep accelerating at a constant rate with good amount of force into the ground, you can hold this position. As soon as you sort of max out at your acceleration rate, you'll start coming up. So being able to reproduce force at a high rate for a long duration will hold you in position. And so that's why you'll see people using things like sleds and, um, uh, mostly dragging sleds where it's around your waist is most useful pushing sleds. It's hard to get the right posture, um, and doing stuff uphill, I find. Um, so if you find a nice, and it doesn't have to be really steep, it could probably be about, um, I would say about nine, eight to 10 per eight to 10%, uh, which is about five degrees, right? It's, it's not that steep, but if, you know, if you, and we even have people doing it up, you know, um, in a parkade, the ramps in a parkade are a good angle because I think everything has to be, uh, um, with a wheelchair ramp requirements, which is about five degrees, right? So if you can find a wheelchair ramp or some sort of ramp, it's probably not a bad, um, um, angle to sprint up but yeah finding some sort of resistance for 10 to 20 10 to 30 meters is probably the distance that we work on the most
0: okay so we talked about like acceleration but what about max velocity what is the most important thing with max velocity
1: I would say uh, the most important thing that you're going to probably have to work on is, um, I would say, elasticity and vertical force production. Because once you get up to a higher speed, you're trying to put as much force into the ground as possible. And there's a great study that was done in Japan where they had uh, force plates over 60 meters. Um, And they basically saw that the faster that somebody ran into max velocity the more the vertical force went up and it was higher at mat- when they hit their max velocity. So we know that vertical mac- maximum vertical force is very important. So the ability to put force into the ground, but also to rebound off the ground. So that's where things like plyometrics, elastic work jumps are very important for being able to produce, not only produce the force, but react off the ground. Um, and, you know, obviously you're going to do it when you sprint as well. And we'll do flying starts to get up to speed and then work on those, you know, 10 or 20 meters of maximal sprinting. But I would say, you know, having some stiffness in the feet, some elasticity in the feet is very important. So that's why it's, you know, they should be doing, um, plyometric jumps and, and not necessarily big jumps but, you know, cause you'll see people jumping off of boxes and then you'll see that their ground contact time is longer and they collapse. You want to pick, you know, I don't know, even about, we sometimes we'll just use, uh, for hurdles that are eight to 12 inches. And we just have people jump over those just so that it's quick and light enough when they hit the ground, but they're still producing force. So I think that combination of doing the longer sprints with uh, a steady diet of plyometrics for ground stiffness and elasticity and reactivity is really important.
0: So you mentioned like elast- elasticity and ground resistance is, th- is that kind of like the same thing with, let's say, like what we said, pretension.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, being able, like, you know, we, we really teach athletes to do, um, you know, active dorsiflexion before, you know, so they pre-tension the calf and and so that when they hit the ground, it's stiffer. If they're more plantar flexed, then when they land, they'll fall, they'll, the heel will fall to the ground and you'll lose that elasticity. So that mechanical action of having that foot cocked, when you hit the ground, it's going to be like that and you're actively attacking the ground. And that's what I was taught even as an athlete is. You're not waiting for the ground. You're kind of waiting to attack the ground um, and transition from dorsiflexion to plantar flexion really quick. Um, and sometimes even cueing the athlete to land more in the middle, like land in the middle of the foot, not on the toe. Because if you land too far on the toe, you will collapse, right? And obviously, you don't want to hit on the heel. So you kind of hit here and then you come off like that if that's the ground you're you're really just sort of landing like this and then you come off so that you minimize this chance of collapsing um and so that's that's a skill really that you have to work on a lot with athletes so uh
0: there's acceleration and there's max velocity but like from what we just said it's kind of like these are two different skills right is that right is am i understanding this right
1: yeah i I would say they are if especially if you're looking at it it looks way different but uh, when i talk to the athlete i'm just really telling them to um, think about putting force into the ground like keep it very simple all the instruction So whether you're doing the drills upright and you're going up and down, you're still, your legs are tracking up and down along your body. It's just when you're doing max velocity, you're thinking down, you know, from here, your foot is coming down. If you're accelerating, it's coming down to the ground and then pushing a bit. It's a little different, but everything's happening so fast. Like, you know, sprinting should happen at over four strides, four steps per second. So you really have to ingrain it into the athlete's head that, just think about rapidly putting force into the ground. Like, and I always say like, you're thinking one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, you know, like a um, series of, of, of steps, because the problem is, is if you think too much about one step, then you're interrupting the next step. You, like your brain just can't process it fast enough. So, um, you try to keep all, all your queuing pretty simple, I would say.
0: Got it. So there's other. There's another like post on your Instagram talks about like block start versus like falling start, right? Yes. So what is the difference, and how would you like what what kind of situation you're gonna use block start and and what kind of situation you're gonna use falling start?
1: Yeah. So first off, I'll I'll classify like a falling start or a walk in start as a soft start because you have some momentum behind it. So if I'm falling and then I go, I'm kind of unloading the body a bit, right? I'm, I'm sort of letting momentum carry me forward. Then I go. So it takes less energy to start. It would be like doing a rolling start in your car so that you could have better fuel economy. Um, whereas a hard start would be from a fixed position and then you just launch yourself out of it. So like a block start. And you're teaching people both because in sporting situations, you're going to have both situations right you're going to be jogging or walking and then you accelerate uh or you're just going to be standing there and you have to move or you're in a crouch position so you you're basically teaching you know them to handle each of those scenarios with some movement or just from a static start and then if you're doing more block starts or hard starts you're working on more explosive power um Whereas if I'm using soft starts, a lot of the time I want them to be relaxed so that they can use that energy further in. So if we're running repeat 60 or hundred meter sprints, we'll probably do it off of a falling start because I want that energy to be spread to that max velocity piece. Whereas if we're doing tens, twenties, or thirties, we'll probably use a hard start because I want them to work on that explosive piece. I don't mind them using that energy in that start. So it's very contextual and when you're going to use these okay
0: so if if i'm if i'm training like basketball player and i want to like i want to let them like be faster for the let's say the first step when they go like crossover or the first step for cutting in and going for for layup Can I, like, say this, like, the the blocks are going to be helpful more for this kind of situation?
1: I would think so. Any type of hard start where they have to be explosive for that first movement. Because in basketball, it's just that that first step will get you by a defender and then you're very difficult. Once you get past their hip, then it's very difficult to stop you, right? So that, that ability to be explosive and which will probably translate into a better vertical jump is going to be useful. So anything like concentric box jumps up, explosive throws forward, um, all of those types of activities are going to help with that starting strength um, and, and getting them off the line or off the mark quickly. And then, you know, you evaluate that with different, we'll do uh, push up starts off the ground three point starts, four point starts, um, on your back and and any of those starts where they're having to move explosively from a very still or static position is going to help that. And then you can add in a bit of resistance too. You can, we'll do starts with like bands around the waist from a, a three point stance or a block start, or even a falling start. And we want them to really explode out of those first two or three steps. So, you know, for basketball, volleyball, Soccer goalkeeper, um, baseball player, um, those are very useful exercises. Anything where it's like a a burst with some degree of resistance on it is going to help with that explosive power,
0: yeah. So, okay, then I'm going to jump into the next one about like hamstring injury, Mm -hmm. like hamstring, and I know we talk about like I know we talk about for the like hamstring strain. So how would you like prevent hamstring strain and how to like came back from, from it?
1: Um, usually if it's like a, a, a minor strain or I say grade one or grade two, that we try to get them doing the sprint drills and acceleration as soon as possible. So it might be a couple of days after the injury. The whole idea is we want to find an activity that will strengthen the hamstring in a safe manner. And acceleration doesn't put a lot of stretch on the hamstring, but it does still strengthen it. So we'll do um seven, six or seven steps, which is usually about 10 meters or 10 yards. And we'll get them doing a little falling start, accelerate submaximally, and we do them in sets of 10. Um, and that's, that's been very helpful for getting people back rather quickly. Like sometimes it might take a week, maybe two weeks, but it doesn't drag on. If you, And we're doing this on consecutive days of all these accelerations, maybe five days a week. Um, I've had nothing but good results because it just it, it's all about reteaching them how to run and then strengthening that hamstring in a safe manner. I found that the longer you wait, to exercise them in this way the more the hamstring will shorten and atrophy and then it just becomes a long term problem where they keep injuring it and so um i wouldn't say i, I would say our our approach is am- my approach is ambitious but it's not overly aggressive because we are being very smart about how we um you know prescribe the the work um so but yeah, it's short, short accelerations have have been the most useful uh, activity for hamstring rehabilitation and conversely for hamstring injury prevention. It just, it's a very good way to strengthen the hamstring safely.
0: So like, can I understand this way? It's, is it like after, let's say after a few days of like the hamstring injury, you're probably gonna start with like some acceleration instead of like gym base work, right? Yeah,
1: I stay away from gym base work for the first couple of weeks. I just find it uh because most of the time hamstrings will be strained while running, and and uh, so you know it's not a it. I found it's not a gym problem; it's a running problem. So we try to address the problem right away and look at their running technique. Um, and strengthen it in a way that will make them resilient for when they run again. And while there's some exercises that can strengthen the hamstring, they don't strengthen the hamstring specifically for running. So I think that's why I've gravitated towards it. And I've, I've really haven't had any problems and haven't had to, you know, we'll go through our hamstring sprint program. And when somebody feels better, we'll say, okay, you can go back to gym work now but there's no gym work as part of my rehabilitation process.
0: So you're going to like do XR instead of like doing squats. But how about from a strength standpoint, after the injury, they're not going to be able to like produce the same, same force or same power.
1: Um, I mean, it's, it depends, right? Like, I think a lot of people associate gym work with strength and power. And you can get strong from sprinting. You can get strong from running up a hill. You can get strong from running up stadium stairs, uh, doing jumps, uh, you know, pulling a sled, right? So there's different ways to get strong. It's just, you know, I think a lot of people think you need to do this in the weight room with a barbell or, and yes, Yes, that can be useful, but it's not the only way. And I think people just have to change their, their mindset around making people stronger. Um, I know a lot of people who are, you know, spend most of their time sprinting and jumping and don't do a lot in the weight room. And they're very strong and they're very resilient. So um, I think you just have to be careful with how you define strength or strength training uh, because there's a lot of ways to, to, to get people stronger. And the reason I just do the, the, the sprint-based approach is that it's just an, it's a better use of my time to get them stronger for something that is specific as running, right? And if I all I did was lift weights as part of my rehab, then I'd have to come back and then I'd have to teach them how to run again. And they would, you know, it's just a longer process.
0: Yeah, the other day I, I was talking to Jonas Dadu. And we we're talking about rehabilitation. And it was it's kind of like the same process you just mentioned. And we're probably gonna do like running mechanics first and then some plyo before gym gym work, before like squats before like deadlift, that kind of stuff. It was kind of like so. For me, it's kind of like easy to understand. And that was kind of like my philosophy philosophy for like coming back from injury instead of like yeah doing heavy heavy resistant training i probably just let let them do like a skip b skip like switches and probably a little probably a little bit more plyo yes yeah instead of like squats
1: yeah, it's more, it's more specific to what you're trying to achieve, being elastic, being explosive, um, you know, turning the muscle on and off in a very short amount of time, right? We're talking hundreds of a second. Uh, whereas when you lift, m- you know, most lifts take uh, several seconds to complete. So it's, it's kind of a different, it's a different movement altogether. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of weightlifting too, but You just have to know when and how much and when to to do it. And I think a lot of effort goes into getting people to do gym exercises because it's convenient. We're in the same room. Um, It's probably easier to monitor in terms of like how much weight they're lifting and they're moving a little slower. So it's easier to see everything. But when somebody sprints, I think a lot of coaches feel a little uncomfortable assessing it properly and prescribing it yeah
0: and the skill is like much harder to teach
1: yes it is it's it it takes a lot more effort on the coach's part so and i'll use a lot of video uh, you know it's very easy with a, when you have your phone you can film everything um but you have to show the athlete and um you know so that they can see it real time and then they can work on it so i'll do a lot of that as well a lot of video review so how do
0: like for like training sprints like skills how do you like train them for let's say if it's if it's like at the same time you're going to work with like three or four athletes they're going to be three or four different kinds of like this different situation let's say the first athlete going to be probably have greater acceleration and the second athlete probably have better transition phase and the third athlete probably have the, like the best max velocity for all of these how do you like train them at the same same time
1: i mean it's easy enough just to let them do one repetition at a time and then you just give the appropriate feedback right and um you know, some, one athlete may need more repetitions to work on acceleration in that session. And some may need more work on transitioning or working to max velocity. And I think it's just like any other training scenario where you have to individualize as much as you can, um, you know, without it stalling the training session. Um, so it's just that that's a bit of the, you know, the art of coaching is understanding how much feedback to give and, Uh, making sure people get their customized feedback Um, but that's certainly that that does take some time to work on that and not feel anxious about it when you're doing it Um, so just just knowing how to prescribe different things to different people within the same session does take some experience
0: cool last question so a good there's there's another post from Instagram. Sorry, I, most of the question I took it like from Instagram. Sorry about that. So there's a post on in, your Instagram. There's like uh, a good sprint or how going to run fast is like good acceleration and good max velocity. Then there's resistance sprint and there's like over speed training, right? And other kind of like elements yeah so how like where are you when and where are you going to put resistance training resistance sprint in your training and and over speed training
1: i mean i would say resistance work is going to be earlier in the program to develop Like if you do like a short to long program where you're covering shorter distances in the early part of the program, you'll probably do most of your resisted work there. And it's more compatible to the gym work that you're doing, which might be heavier lifting. Um, And then eventually you'll get to doing max speed work. And then you'll probably unload some of your lifting volume to make sure that, you know, athletes feel fresh because they're going to be moving at a higher velocity and the risk gets higher. So you don't want to be lifting heavy when you're trying to run fast, you'll lift heavier in the earlier part of your program and probably do most of your resisted work in the early part of the program. Um, uh, because it's it's just compatible. Um, but I would say if you're going to do anything high speed, like I didn't do a lot of over speed stuff. I just found it was very difficult to monitor. I think if you have, Um, equipment to do it to know exactly how fast you're going over speed because it doesn't take much it could be you know one percent faster um, and that's a lot for the body to handle so if you have one of those devices that can pull somebody at exactly you know a a programmed uh, velocity that you can control then it gets interesting but I've never felt comfortable running people downhill or you know, having them pulled by a car or anything like that. uh, I think it's a little dangerous, but, you know, we would take opportunities to always, uh, if there was a, uh, if it was a windy day, we'd make sure the wind would be behind them to push them a little bit more and, and work with that. Um, But I I think you have to be very careful with the overspeed scenarios. It's so easy to, because if you go too fast, it will pull them into the ground and they will have a longer ground contact time. Um, so yeah, because if somebody goes faster than they're used to, their natural response is to try and slow things down and break. So they'll reach out in front a little more and they'll end up breaking. Um, there was a good example of the fellow that won the Olympic hundred meters and he had a car with a big shield on it. Did you see that one? Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. yeah. And he
1: ran behind it. So it would break the wind for him. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so stuff like that could be interesting, where it allows them to run faster, but it's still under their own power. It's just you've reduced the wind resistance. Um, so looking for innovative ways to 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 train uh, them faster, I think, is interesting.
0: Cool, like pre- appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate yeah. It for time, and I love the way you like. Talk through all these like
1: details. Yeah, there's no one answer. That's the thing. Like you have to, um, you know, you have to. Like I said, it's individualizing and look at the context of the situation. And um, you're you're trying to make sure you minimize as much risk as possible because it's so easy when people are running fast to get hurt. Yeah. So I think yes, you want to keep getting better and faster, but you know the last thing you want is is injuries because it'll really it'll really affect the athlete psychologically too so you you want them to know that you're providing a safe environment where they can train hard
0: yeah so So, yeah there's a there's a there's there's gonna be more and more coaches like they want to learn about speed instead of like gym-based work like heavy squats and their lift and if they are interested in what we're talking today so where can they find you and how can they reach out
1: yeah like there's two websites that i use one is sprintcoach.com uh which is you know resources for coaches and i do my consulting through that one but sprintcoach.com is a good one and then the runningmechanics.com is my courses where you could either do an in-person course or an online course. Um, but a lot of that stuff is, you know, like I'll po- post a lot of my information on Instagram at Derek M Hanson, um, and I also have one at Running Mechanics too on Instagram. But those are those are really easy for me to post information and for pe- people to follow and and kind of get a sense of what I'm trying to communicate about sprinting and running fast.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Cody see this first. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: How's he doing? Is he doing okay?
0: it's pretty good. I think he just came back from the state.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. He was he was visiting family.
0: And and actually, I I I know him because like I invite him to do the interview. Oh, cool. Yeah. Through the interview, I met a lot of my coaches. That was pretty cool.
1: Okay, well, it looks like he's having a good time there, and he likes the food there, and he likes living in in that environment. So it's very it's it's kind of cool to see him there because I'm uh, my my mom is Chinese too, so yeah, so I'm half Chinese, and um, so I
0: is that a reason your hair is black?
1: Yes, and I still have hair. No, Um, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's uh it's it's good for him to be involved in that culture.
0: Yeah, cool. Probably next time we do a like third way, you and Cody and me, we do. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Appreciate it for the time.
1: Okay, Eric. Okay. Have a Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. See you.
1: Take care.